Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. This is Corey. Welcome to another edition of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, you can find a written version of this roundup with links to all of the stories at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. Our first story of the week is, Queer Friends Are Good For Your Health. Futurity reported on a study led by Caitlin Leahy that found that better health for LGBT folks was associated with having more people in their social circle who shared their same sexual identity. In other words, the more uh, people with the same sexual identity that LGBT folks have in their social circle, in general, you know, the better their, their health was. Um, and this was true regardless of the age of those people in, in their circle of friends and family. So it could be, a, you know, a friend close in age. It could be um, an older relative, a younger relative. They found that what really mattered was sharing that sexual identity. And they also found that, uh, you know, having other folks in their network, um, heterosexual folks who didn't share that identity, didn't really provide a protective factor for health, um, which is surprising because I think in general, you know, we think of someone having a big kind of social net um, is going to have a, a health benefit. It's, you know, it's a protective factor for health. And they found that, that for LGBT folks, that was only true about how many people they had who shared their identity. So the results to me really underscore the importance of things like LGBT community centers, pride events, um, LGBT groups and, you know, in high school and college and workplaces, um, those opportunities to find other LGBT people and grow that network, um, you know, according to this study, um, could have a health benefit. Next up, PrEP programs lag among priority populations. A CDC study looked at the countries and regions supported by PEPFAR, which is the federal government's program for helping other countries address the HIV epidemic. And they found that out of 35 countries and regions that are supported by PEPFAR, only 15 had implemented uh, programs to help people access PrEP, which is the HIV prevention treatment. Sadly, those that had implemented PrEP programs um, were really lagging behind in reaching the people who needed it the most, which uh, they say are LGBT folks, specifically men who have sex with men and transgender women, as well as sex workers. They said these populations were the ones that um, that stood to benefit the most from PrEP, and yet they had been using the um, PrEP at a lot lower rates than the general population. The researchers note that this may be hard to reach LGBT folks in these countries because many of them lack protections of LGBT uh, people. And they found that community engagement was key to increasing uptake among the LGBT populations in these countries, that those um, programs that had done more outreach and engagement um, had better prep uptake, which makes sense because they're building the connections that they need to get feedback, to create a network, and to build trust in the community. Our next story, HPV. There could be an app for that. A study led by Hallie Fontenot looked at young men who have sex with men and found that they had really mixed levels of knowledge on HPV and its risks. Many reported wanting to have credible and relatable sources of information to learn about HPV and the vaccine. 
While participants reported using apps on their phones for many reasons, like social media, etc., they said that they didn't really use it to connect to the health system or to learn about their health, which is just, you know, a big untapped market for using apps to connect LGBT folks to health information that they need, including uh, sharing the HPV vaccination, you know, why that's important for young queer men. Next up, conversion therapy ban breaches the South. NC Policy Watch reported that Virginia has become the first state in the South to ban the practice of so-called conversion therapy on LGBT minors, making it the 20th state to do so overall in the U.S., but only the first state in the Southern region. North Carolina, meanwhile, has banned coverage um, of this discredited practice by government-funded health care, which it did by executive order, but its bill that would, um, you know, totally ban the practice on minors has been stalled for a while now in its legislature. I covered a couple weeks ago a story that found that only three countries in the world have totally banned the practice on a national level. Um, a lot more are kind of limiting it like a lot of the states are doing, you know, for example, banning it for minors. Um, and in many places like in the U.S., it's happening at the local level and not at the national level, at least so far. Next up, court rules for inclusive care. The Seattle Times reported that a federal court has sided with a transgender woman in Alaska who has denied health insurance coverage of medically necessary care related to her transition. The judge said that it was discriminatory to deny transgender folks the same type of care that would be covered for a cisgender person. The woman in the case said that the fact that her care was banned while cisgender people could access the same care was a traumatizing and stigmatizing experience as she was seeking out the care that she needs. And in our final story of the week, syringe sharing risks spreading HIV. The CDC published a special report on HIV among people who inject drugs, a population that has unfortunately grown over the past couple years with the rise of the opioid epidemic. They found that the sharing of syringes, which is one of the leading causes in the spread of HIV, was most common among young adults, with 45% of those aged 18 to 25 who use drugs um, by injection having shared syringes. They also found that the South was lagging behind the rest of the U.S. in providing clean syringes to those who need them. There are programs that allow people to get syringes through pharmacies or through other sources, and there were way less of those programs happening um, in the southern region than, for example, uh, in the Northeast or on the West Coast. Well, that does it for another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. If you are interested in learning more about any of the stories I've just discussed, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find a written version of this roundup with links to all of those pieces. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Talk to you next week.